On today's episode, Dave interviews Bill Cott. Bill's an alum of Second City, having toured with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. He was a regular on The Dana Carvey Show, also starring Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert, and Wizards of Waverly Place. Bill was in Freaks and Geeks, Monk, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and the films Galaxy Quest, Dude Where's My Car, and The Ringer. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. I was yes. a Foley artist when I first came here. Were you? Yeah, I got $15 an hour. Um, I Foleyed uh, in... I don't know what was what might have once been like the greatest Foley room in the world. Uh, it was now just basically a wooden floor with a hole. And uh, uh, for those people who don't know what a Foley artist is, they do the walking up the stairs sound. Um, and I did an entire movie, an entire uh, movie about it was like Strike Force Zero, where I fought with myself in a torpedo room of a submarine. Now, did you have to like smack a ham, or what did you make, what, did, what did you use to make the punchy? I had sounds? my own. Uh, I had a bag of goodness, and um, so uh, that's not what I smacked. But it was. Uh, I had a leather jacket that I filled with, I think, a pillow, a bolster pillow. Okay. And um, the, I, I might have mentioned this one before, but the hardest one that I did was uh, was the opening scene of a movie, and the opening scene of the movie was a parrot pooping in the floor of, the, of its cage. On mm. paper, and we had to fully that, and um, it took us like two hours to figure it out. It was uh, m- in my mouth. I mashed up watermelon uh-huh. that they had at craft service, and then uh, I put it on a on a, on a with a just a, a plate like a Melmac plate, mm-hmm. and then put paper towel on it, and that's what and it went. Which is my most unfavorite sound. When I was a kid, my brother and sister and I used to make these little tapes because our dad gave us a cassette player, a oh, cassette recorder for Christmas. Yeah, party. yeah. And um, we would do all these incredibly offensive things. And we had a thing about Casper, the deadly ghost, who came back from the dead to kill and, and strike and get revenge. Sure. Um, and oh wait, no, that was I'm sorry, that was the Popeye that we did. We did Popeye where his eye actually popped out of his head, <laughs> uh, and he would he would like. Eat people. Uh-huh. I guess, no, Casper ate people, too. That's right, in our version. Oh, in your uh, And what we used for both of them was uh, peanuts. Um, the cracking. Like, in, in the shell, yeah. still. Just put yeah. the whole thing in our mouth and chew it. It sounds like bones oh. crunching and skull crunching. And Don't you wish, I, do you still have those tapes? Somewhere. My sister, my sister saved some of them. We had reel-to-reel. Uh-huh. And the little reel-to-reel. Right. And I wish I could find those and the Super 8 movies. Yes. We've saved a lot of the Super 8 movies. My cousin, Mike, was a great filmmaker, still is. Um, he, Out here? Uh, well, actually, you know, he teaches uh, drama in St. Louis at Lindbergh High School. Uh-huh. Lindbergh? Uh, Lindbergh. Oh, okay. Like, like Charles Lindbergh. Yeah, Lucky Charles. Lindbergh. Yeah. Um, Which is and, all over Missouri. Oh, totally. Fucking Lindbergh's all over yeah. Missouri. Yeah. Do they ever talk about, I, we'll get back to that, but do they ever talk about the, the whole way Nazi you, thing? Yeah. Um, not so much, but there is a huge celebration of the German heritage in St. Louis. Oh yeah, um, there's you know every every summer there's the Strassenfest, which uh-huh. is a street festival. Yeah, sure. Um, and we used to always go that as a kid. And uh, my first wife was German. Yes, um, she was from North Germany in, mm-hmm. in Hamburg, and she came and saw there? that. Have you been there? Uh, I've been to Hamburg. I, I have not been to Southern Germany. Once she saw like all the giant pretzels and the you know the drindles and all that stuff, she was like, "This is not what Germany is really like." She got really upset. Did she get upset um, because like this is like this is the ver- this is it's a small world after all version? Is yeah, she felt? yeah. yeah. Kind of like if we would go over there to like this is America and they got a bunch of hillbillies and, right. and Elvis, right? 
and pizza. Which is now true, you're though. I mean, come on. That is a major it part. It has become America. It has become America. It's a major part. And I, I got to tell you, I love that part of America. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, I want to go back to your cousin who yes. uh, teaches at Lindbergh uh, High School. Actually, I, I think it's Sparing Middle School. It's in the Lindbergh District, uh-huh. now that I remember correctly. Right. You got to uh, get that right. Because yeah. We got, we so got he, a big contingency <laughs> under the arches. Well, I'm sure all my family will be listening for yeah. sure. Um, and. Um, uh, he used to make all these wonderful um, eight millimeter silent films, mm-hmm. and they'd be parodies of whatever was out at the time. And they had this whole thing called the Weasel Patrol, uh, and whatever it was, they'd like jam like when Star Wars came out, that Weasel Patrol would be like Star Wars, and um, it was uh, a, par- a parody with weasels. Uh, no, it was well, there was this girl that was like stalking my cousin, and they called her the Weasel, and so. <laughs> Sweet. So they had a mask that was supposedly the weasel, um, and but the, the the films weren't about her, right? But they used the you know the whole like I guess I guess their whole group of guys they called themselves the Weasel Patrol. So uh-huh. then they formalized it by making the Weasel Patrol, and they make these great action films uh, in their backyard and around their neighborhood and at local parks and stuff like that. But he teaches film at a high school uh he teaches drama i drama. know and he, he i'm sure he should be teaching film if it's not um Is but it just, uh, just i mean what a fucking great school to have drama at yeah school? yeah just drama yeah it wasn't like drama club well Lindbergh has always had like a great theater department Lindbergh and afton uh which are both in south county in st louis uh have great drama department now my high school rittner has a giant Theater department that like rivals any college theater. They got a wonderful new auditorium. I'm waiting to do a show there. Isn't John Hamm from around there? Yes, John Hamm went to um, um, not Country Day. Um, um, John Burroughs. Yeah. Why do you know so much about this? Um, well, because St. Louis takes pride in St. Louis. Uh huh. Um, so if somebody's from St. Louis, we tend to try to know everything we can about them. Yeah. And you know, like John Goodman went to Afton. Uh-huh, right. Uh, you know, you you name it. We we probably know about it. And also, St. Louis, the big thing is when you meet a fellow St. Louis, and the first thing you ask him is, Oh, really? Where'd you go to high school? That's almost how you prove really? to another St. Louis and that you're a St. So Louis. So in Chicago it'd be like what part? Right. Where you go, you're from Chicago, what part? Yeah. You don't go what neighborhood, you go what part? Mm-hmm. What part? What part? That's the first time I really thought about it. Like yeah. what part? North side. And North I guess side. in New Orleans they do it with parishes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh in Chicago, Southside, they would parishes too. Mm-hmm. Which parish? I know amongst amongst um, Roman Catholics of the fifties and sixties, they still discuss what parish in St. Louis. Um, but for the most part, people talk about what high school, what high school. I were don't know you, why. Were you raised Catholic? Um, no, I was baptized Catholic at Saint Martin de Porras uh, in Saint Florissant. Martin de Porras. Yeah. Martin DePora sounds like a name of somebody. <laughs> sounds like an improv teacher. <laughs> it's like Martin DeMott. Right, Martin DePora. Martin DeMott's evil, evil twin. I was baptized at St. Martin DeMott. Uh, had my first object work. Uh, exactly. At, uh, no. I had an epiphany uh, uh, during uh, freeze tag once. Uh, anyway, you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, epiphany, I was, wait, I was, epiphany is a religious thing, right? Yeah, epiphany is... Um, uh, that's that's the, the when the, the wise men gave the gifts to... Uh, God to it. Jesus, yeah. An epiphany, giving the gifts to Jesus. I think I I I'm, I think that Catholicism is closer to uh, improv than I really ever thought. Because oh, you have an epiphany, you give a yeah. gift. You give a gift. Exactly. Right. I'll give you a gift. Nice. I'll give you an epiphany. Like, I oh do God, a yearly look. workshop called the Gift. I'm going to start calling it the Epiphany. The Epiphany. If it's around Christmas time, 
That's a sure it is. Way That's what I do because I close my classes down because I found you know as you probably have found too, nobody's looking to start like a four week class during the holidays. I don't usually do four week classes anymore. Yeah, I do. I'm coming in for a weekend. Exactly. Fucking deal with it. Yeah, exactly. But you were teaching in. I still t- have school in St. Louis. I no longer do. No, you no longer do. No, I, 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 I was doing too much back and forth, and it was having an effect on me and my family and my career. Got it. Got so it. And I went. Uh, see, that's a big decision there. Yeah. To what to do? That was one of the toughest decisions I've ever had to make. I, agree. I, I totally understand that. For me, I gave up the industry. Hmm. Um, I've got a short that I'm doing on uh, Sunday and Monday, uh, but that's about it. Because I just and now you're going to name like five or six other projects. But other than that, right? Other than I'm that, a, um, I got a pilot. It's, that it's I'm hard not on. to do that stuff out here, isn't there? Because we have friends who are like, "Oh, you would be perfect for this. Why don't you?" So right. it's tough to like give it up cold turkey. Oh no, no, no! And the only thing I really gave up because I saw that you had an audition for NCIS. Yes, and that was yeah. eleven pages. Yes, at the last minute, the they called me at like noon, right, and said, "Yeah, we need we need you there at five thirty. By the way, here's eleven pages." And turned out. Only, only like seven of which were for the dialogue. The rest was FYI. Oh, I see. Thanks. Oh, 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 Thanks. I see. What do you mean FYI? Like for other people? It's like just so you know. Oh, got it. Here's what's happening with this character and his background, and here's what's going on with the overall story arc. Which, as you know, they don't tend to do that much. No, anymore. that's why I was. They keep I, it all I was like, top well, that's secret. really great because mm-hmm. God forbid you should know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. Oh, there should be any character development in an audition. Oh my God, an audition, <laughs> character development, an audition, someone giving you notes. Yeah. Someone giving you notes. Oh, boy. Or even oh. worse, no notes. No notes. That's no always notes. the worst. And they go, it's, great, thank you. It's interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, my girlfriend auditioned for something yesterday, and she drove all the way at, at 0 o'clock in the morning. And she went there and was like, great, thanks. Mm-hmm. She's a singer. She's a, a singer. Nice. Like, great, thanks. All right, good. Um, I think that's the first time I've said my girlfriend. Mm. She's going to listen to this and go, wow, there you go. I've learned about St. Louis. And uh, then I'm just going get it on the air quick. Get on the air quick. Yeah. Um, anyway, oh, what the fuck was I talking about? I got totally sidetracked. My girlfriend. Um, well, we started. Oh yeah, yeah, we were no. talking about religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this the thing about uh, about auditioning mm. is I I feel yeah the projects that everybody's doing. I mm. love doing those projects. I fucking love it. Yeah. Um, I love being invited to the party. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't count on it anymore. Um, and I feel ha. Ah, Mm-hmm. I feel huh about it. It's like somebody moving back. When I heard that you moved to St. Louis, I was like, "What?" That's what I was like. I was like, mm-hmm. "What?" And, but you, I was like that too inside, uh, deep inside. And then, but you, you were like, "What? Why am I doing this?" Um, yeah, because I didn't fully understand why. Um, you you made it. Time, you made the decision without fully understanding why. Yeah, part of it was you know it was also you know my first marriage with right. uh, Vera. Um, you know, and we're still friends to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just didn't like it out here in um, LA. Yeah, she mm-hmm. did not enjoy LA, and um, you know, she made friends among my friends. But it was, it's tough to make friends out here and to meet new people. Um, at least if you're working and trying to make a living, and you know everything. So um, it is sad. Yeah, it can be sad. So Lonely. she didn't like it here, and and I was I was feeling uh, a certain level of rejection. And I wasn't sure how Here. to deal with it. Yeah, I was like, well, do I double down on that rejection? Which means Or what? do I um, do I now, like, you know, start, you know, m- you know, milling out postcards and, you know, paying money for casting director workshops and doing that whole grind, which I had never done before. I had never, like, uh, like fought for auditions. 
but I was getting to a feeling as though I needed to. And I was I was even fighting for stage time at improv theaters, uh-huh. which was odd to me. Uh-huh. Um, Desperate. Yeah. And so um, when she suggested the move um, back to St. Louis, I thought, uh, you know what? Right now, I'm good with it. And originally, it was going to be a temporary move because it was during the writer's strike. We were going to either rent a house or maybe make an investment of a house back in St. Louis and then come back when that was over. Right. Um, and then move back to St. Louis and, you know, there's not a lot of work for somebody with my skill set in St. <laughs> Louis. I tried. There were some projects we tried to put together. Me and my friend Ray did some things uh, that we pitched for Budweiser, uh-huh. which was a series of, you know, bar bets. Like, here's a bar. Here's one, you know, you can get free drinks all night if you make this bet at a bar. Got it. Um Ah, okay. Which encourages the you know conspicuous consumption of alcohol. Absolutely, which is what Anheuser Busch is really based upon. Yeah, <laughs> the conspicuous consumption of alcohol. Yeah, it's kind of like their business. It is. But that you weren't able to hitch your pony to that. Uh, that yeah, wait, that didn't I want to use that Clydesdale. You weren't able you to go. hitch your Clydesdale to that wagon. Right. That worked out. And. And so, you know, I was looking for work, and I had, I had started originally Improv Trick out here in St. Louis. Or Improv Trick in was Los the name Angeles. of your, uh, Yes, that's the name of the of Improv company. Um, started here in Los Angeles just as, you know, like, hey, you know, this is an opportunity. Because like I was telling you, I also kind of like felt like I was being, I did, just didn't feel welcome. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was something internal. Um, well, well, let me just back up because you can't, because this is really, I, I think that so many people really feel that way where they're, they're like, what the fuck am I doing here? What mm-hmm. am I doing wrong um, instead of looking at what am I enjoying that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Focusing on, on the lack rather than what's there. Clearly. And what built on. But you you had, did I get it right that you were an announcer on SNL? Um, I announced the, the uh, ambiguously gay uh, duo cartoons. I, I play that guy. This it. week's episode, it takes two to tango. Right. And did you get that? Because that was Carell and yeah, Colbert. That was a spinoff. We originally did it on uh, yeah, the Dana, Dana Carvey show. show. Uh-huh. And then the way I found out about that was um, nobody told us in advance that it was going to be aired on, on Saturday Night Live. I would just watch the Saturday Night Live to root on all our friends who had just been hired. And, you know, that was like the first time that like people that I knew from Second City had been like hired up there. And so I was excited for them. And I have a ritual where I make popcorn and have soda for the first episode of the season or whatever. And I'm, I'm going up just to uh, to grab another Coke and fill up my popcorn bowl again. And then I hear my own voice on Saturday Night Live. I was like, I made it! Hey, I made it! I hope they didn't blow out your microphone. <laughs> no, it's pretty uh, great. It's pretty great. So, yeah, and Let then... pull that down, though. Because sure, yeah, because I am going to get loud. You do get loud, and I really kind of like it, though, because I, I didn't want to not do that. Yeah. Um, and so then... Um, yeah, so then when they started doing them regularly, mm-hmm. and then they started doing the ex presidents, which I also right. did voices right. for. But you, but I want to, again just to to, to yeah, land yeah, yeah. on that the idea of having worked before, and because mm-hmm. you did you did you toured this, you toured, and by the way, when you were in my class at Second City, I you fucking rocked my world. I thought oh, you were you. great. I really thought you were great. I was like this guy, and now you're sitting here. Um, how lucky is that? So I always loved that you did. And it's so great to go through your IMDb and to look at all the shit that you're doing and mm-hmm. still know that you went to St. Louis, too. Yeah. And to say, the journey that you're on is the journey that you're on. And whatever sidetrack you take, your heart is going to bring you to where it is that you're supposed to go anyway. Absolutely. I mean, I quit, I quit doing theater for five years while I was in college 
Um, and I did photojournalism, which is, you know, I, I have a degree in photojournalism. I've I didn't done know that. that. Yeah, it was, I, I was a photojournalist for a while mm -hmm. and I've done, you know, I've been published in newspapers. And, uh, but I came back to theater mm -hmm. and it, fucking the love of it, man. Yeah. You know? So when you go down to St. To St. Louis, what year was that? Uh, 2006. 2006. Because we moved into the house on 6606. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Vera liked to tempt fate. Like one of her favorite numbers was 13. Uh -huh. And we moved into the house on 6606. <laughs> Who would have thought it would have wound up in getting rid of the house and divorce? <laughs> <laughs> Did you buy the house? Uh, yeah, we bought the house because the deal was it was next door to her very best friend um, oh, who, who told us. She was like, hey, I heard you guys are looking for a place and there's one open right next door. Yeah, I remember so, that. Yeah, so without that. seeing it, we never even saw it. Jane went over, looked at it and made sure it was structural integrity. I think maybe maybe my brother-in-law Dusty took a look at it. Uh-huh. Or maybe that was afterwards. But we had somebody who knew knew about houses and Dusty works in construction. I'm pretty sure it was him that looked well, at it. Well, look at the faith in that too. Just to go, yeah. oh, it's just a house, you know. Yeah. You buy him. How many houses? It's just the first house I've ever bought. That's all. <laughs> right. It's the most money I've ever put down on anything. Yeah. And the idea of, I remember when I was married, Katie said, I think we should buy a house. I'm like, buy a house? What are you, crazy? <laughs> and I remember her saying, yeah, we're going to look at houses. Going, look at houses? Women have it. Women have their shit together, I think, yeah. more than men. Yes, I think when it comes to like home life and thinking ahead. Clearly. Oh, my God. Katie thought ahead. Yeah. She really thought ahead. Like, we're going to get a house. Like, what are you talking about? And when we looked at the house that we looked at, it was in Silver Lake. And this was before Silver Lake was happening. Mm -hmm. And we and we walked through this house, and I, and I walked out thinking, what a fucking dump. And Katie said, we'll take it. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and and, and our, our, our agent said, if you don't take it, I'll take it. Like, what the fuck? So we bought a 2,000-square-foot house in Silver Lake, which had two kitchens, two fireplaces, an outdoor fireplace, a, wow. a two-story coach house in the back with a two-bedroom apartment, a studio apartment, a mature orange tree, avocado tree, peach tree. Wow. Three garages in Silver Lake for $300,000. Wow. She looked at it. I was like, fuck this house. Uh -huh. And I'm like, what are we doing? And then she said this, which I thought was cool. Well, if we can't afford it, we can always sell it. I'm like, oh, fuck. Get the movers. Yeah. Women. I like them a lot. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. I'm fond of them. I'm fond of them too. They're they're really nice and sometimes they're assholes, but sometimes <laughs> I am too. <laughs> and when I, think I would about, say I tend to be one most of the time. <laughs> when I think about I had a, I had a girlfriend who really had a hard time with all the women that I'm friends with, mm -hmm. but it's just women that I'm friends with. Correct. And uh, and but we know a lot of really strong women. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking about Second City and how that was a woman, that was, you know, Joyce was there and Cheryl was there and uh, Allison Riley was, the, was there, is there. And look at all the women that were there and all the women that came out of there from, yeah. uh, from my generation and from your generation too. Yeah. The strong women. And it's like a new, I feel like it's a new time. Or I feel like there's a renaissance, not a renaissance, no, it's a golden age, if you will, mm -hmm. because of Amy and uh, Tina and uh, Jane Lynch mm -hmm. and Jill Soloway yeah. and Faye Soloway, who's working for them now. Are you watching that show, Transparent? Uh, no. 
No, but I've heard a lot about it. Boy, it's really yeah. good. What are you watching? What am I watching? Um, American Horror Story. I love that. Um, you know what? I'm not tied into a bunch of shows right now. I tend to, I tend to like, I like to watch Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll watch um, movies. I like documentaries. I love conspiracy documentaries. Uh -huh. My favorite one is I can't remember the name of it recently, but the one that says that. Um, um, and, and I've like I've poured over the Kennedy uh, assassination and all the possibilities and all the theories. The one that seems to make the most sense is this most recent one, which is there was a guy um, who is uh, on the security detail. Who um, uh, the, the the presidential security detail? Yeah. Uh huh. Who Secret was, service? Yeah, he was in one of the cars. Uh huh. And when the first shot from uh, the book depository, yeah, the book depository rang out. Uh -huh. He turned around to fire back, and the gun misfired and went off and hit Kennedy. So that's what the cover-up was, was, oh, my God, this stupid thing happened. We can't let people know that somebody who was on the security detail killed our president. Because the one thing that causes all the conspiracy theories is people smelled gun smoke down on the ground. And obviously, there's no way they could have smelled gun smoke from up, because that would have gone right, from the... Out. Yeah. So there, there were at least 12 people who swore that they smelled gun smoke, which leads to all the people to thinking about, oh, it must have come from this grassy knoll. Maybe there was something going on in the grassy knoll. Maybe there wasn't. But everything about this theory is consistent with the facts of the Warren Commission. Every single thing that says they're pretty darn sure that this happened. Didn't the bullet match the rifle that they found? Um, that was the magic bullet, but there was another entry wound that had been reconstructed um, in the transportation. And they said, why did this happen? Why did they reconstruct, um, I, I can't remember wh whether, it was, whether it was an entry or exit wound, uh, reconstructed it so they couldn't tell exactly what sort of uh, ballistics had hit it. Um, and everybody wondered, well, what, what was caused by that? Was because there are people at the grassy knoll or whatever? Um, and there wouldn't be that blatant of a cover-up if there were a conspiracy because they would have thought two steps ahead and said, okay, when this happens, that happens, this means that. Have another uh, Manlicher Carcano over here, the same thing that, that um, uh, uh, Oswald had, yeah. you know, so that the bullet and the bullet wounds would match. But that wasn't the case, and that's why they had to reconstruct the corpse and why it, took, why it sat on the... On the um, on the tarmac for so long, it's because apparently that's what was happening. And they were like, the security detail was was badgering the doctors as they were doing the whole thing. Um, and people wondered why that was, and now it seems that they were Why they were is it that that up. kind of stuff hasn't come out more? You know what I mean? That and the fact that, that the FBI assassinated um, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. You know, it's been proven in a civil trial. Jesus Christ. There's a lot of conspiracy things yeah. going on there. <laughs> yeah. I whenever I just think of Kennedy being shot, I just think how sad it is. Yeah, I, you know, no matter how what happened or how it happened, mm -hmm. it's like oh my god. I remember Kennedy being shot. I remember sitting and watching Bozo Circus in Chicago. I remember my they, they interrupting Bozo Circus. My mom rushing wow. out and and looking at it the first time I've ever seen her break down crying. And I remember when um, when Martin Luther King was shot, we were watching the news, and I remember my mom coming in from the kitchen, break down crying. Mm -hmm. Like, and then I remember when Bobby was shot, there was a little less tears because there wasn't enough 
yeah. you know, they were all fucking spent going, what the fuck is happening And now? for some reason, it probably wasn't as much of a shock, you know, because at that point, before that, it was like unthinkable. Right. That somebody could be taken down who was trying to do so much good. I got to tell you, I just worry about Obama. I look at that and I go... I He's made it this far. There's that many gun nuts and they haven't done it yet. It's crazy. They'd rather just obstruct him. Oh, my God. Every step of the way. But the anger that people have toward that, the anger, mm-hmm. the absolute anger. We're, I, it's a crazy time to be in the United States. I don't think that we're doing – I really don't – I don't – how can I say this? I don't think – I think we're stupid and lazy. And mm-hmm. this thing that just came out, the torture thing, and it just seems that – Bush and Cheney and Rumsfeld were behind it. They were behind it. They have clearly said, we gave them permission. Mm -hmm. And nobody's gone, nobody's saying, well, it seems to me that if you're making a puree of food and then ramming up someone's ass, which is exactly, they call it anal rehydration. (laughs) Rehydration? As if, you know what? But isn't that, wasn't that a, um, wasn't that a, a, a South Park where... They ate. Yeah, yeah. They put the poo and then it came out as food in their mouth or they something. They rammed it up their ass and came out. And it, uh, and it came out poo out of their mouth. It I came out poo yeah. out of their mouth? But it went a food yeah. up the ass and yeah. then poo out the mouth. I yeah. can't wait till my mom hears this. <laughs> <laughs> well, she'll, she might correct it. That's true. She may just correct it. Um, I was watching and Cartman did not have poo out of his mouth. Those guys... How about that? Uh-huh. How about those guys? How about yeah. those guys? Where you go, I have an idea, and I'm going to do this thing. And, and it should be. It should be. It is an inspiration to me to say, whatever idea you have, you package it, someone will, will buy it. Yeah. And creatively, your idea of going down uh, with improv trick and saying, I've got this idea, and people joining you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, hear from, I do hear from a lot of people saying, yeah, it's easy for you because you live in a metropolitan area and we're da 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 And I'm like... If you have an idea, why don't you fucking try to do it mm-hmm. instead of saying, no, you can't? Yeah. Were your parents... Go, Bill, go. They've always been very supportive. Um, when I was a kid, I, I started off doing magic, and that's part of why Improv Trick that's has the right. word trick in it. Right. Um, so I love doing magic, and... Um, they would have, when they had guests, guests over, they'd say, Billy, which was what I was always calling them. Come out and do some magic. So I'd do magic tricks. I would do impressions. I had, you know, if I had, you know, learned a poem, I'd do a poem. You're old yeah. school. You might as well be a vaudevillian actor. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd be much more comfortable and probably a lot more successful uh, <laughs> if I was working in, you know, the, you know, the turn of the century, right. or the 30s. There was a book, there's a book called... Um, Carter Beats the Devil. Have you read it? Yes, of course I did. Oh, yeah. fuck. What a great book about magic and, and McKinley. There's an assassination yeah. in there. How did he die? And Oakland and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I, I'm so ins- I get inspired by people who are inspired. And I've been reading a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that somebody had this idea and then they went forward and they moved forward and then they moved forward and then they moved forward and then they, and then they were finished and they had a book. Mm-hmm. That's how that worked. Yeah. They kept going until they stopped. Mm-hmm. And they went, mm, I'm done. I think I'm done. I think that's it. And, and now see. I'll write about it. What's that? <laughs> and now I'll write about it. Exactly. Right. 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 And all uh, and the people that we know that have written books, mm-hmm. some I haven't been able to finish. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to remember. I picked up a book recently that I really wanted to read and I put it right back down again. You bought it? 
Uh, I can't remember what it was though. But did you right bought now. it? Did you bought it? Did I bought it? Yeah, I bought, bought it. it. I bought it. it. You and bought it the was... book, not like you went to the store and you read it and you went, mm, no. Yeah, no, you... no, no. I I bought. It. I can't remember what it was now, and I really wanted to, and I, I just gave up on it. I well, I, I many of you don't know. I'm a member of this fuck that book club. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Fuck that book club means you bought that book and you're not going to read that book. Fuck okay. that book. All right. You bought the book. It's on your nightstand. You didn't finish the book. Fuck that book. Yeah. You bought that book. It's in your bookshelf. You don't run to read it. Fuck that book. All right. Well, I, I want to run for the board of that of that club. It's a great club. And what it does, and and, and if you really invest the time and energy into the Fuck That Book mm-hmm. Club, you've got a lot more shelf space. Nice. Because you, it's not about going, I'm not going to read it. It's about get the fuck rid of that book. Get rid of the book. Yeah. Get rid of it. Don't feel guilty. Wait for the next burning. Throw it. Oh, yeah. Fahrenheit 451, that fucker. <laughs> I, uh, I've re- recently been re-sparked into trying to read even more um, because I was... Um, I was given some books from this this program called Life Leadership. It's like a leadership program. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this quote from Frederick Douglass mm-hmm. about, and I can't remember the exact quote, but it's about how he, uh, once he learned to read, um, he he uh, he hated um, the people who had enslaved him even more, because without without the knowledge. He didn't know what he'd been missing, right? You know, and then once he had the power to read and knew what he had been missing all those years, he realized what he had been missing out. And I was like, "Oh my God!" And here I am living in a world where I can get books for free from the library if I choose to, right? Uh, and that and so that 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 sparked me to to start reading a lot. I it, as you're talking, I'm thinking, I wonder how many people watching Fox News would go, "Hey, if I stop watching Fox News, I would know more." That's true. <laughs> But just doing that. Even if it was just a kid's book. (laughs) Hey, these are facts. Wait Wait a minute. minute. That's what facts are. Hold on a minute. Wait. Uh, Yeah, I... uh, And I also think that... Did you study with Dell? I took two classes, but it wasn't like two, like, four-week classes. It was like, you know... Yeah. Drop um, in. Yeah. Of. Yeah. He had that drop in. So, uh, because he would always talk about read as much as you can, be curious, mm-hmm. read as many divergent topics as you possibly can. And I think that not a lot of people are doing, mm, the more the more people that I know that do that, the more interesting I think that they are. Yeah. I also feel like this conversation that we're having and, you know, all the different places that we've gone to and... Uh, and how inspiring that is. And we live in a time right now where everything is at our fingertips to be able to get, pardon me, and I don't think that people are getting them. I want right. people to get it. Yeah. They're they're filling up on whatever the internet gives them. Mm-hmm. I know I am. Which is, yeah, I am too. You know, I love my Facebook. But I also find that I get in these cycles of like, you know, or I, I get pulled into these news cycles instead of instead of getting the facts and wanting to. I started reacting emotionally. Got it. I'm like, you know, this shouldn't be. This is an outrage. Right. And, and uh, as soon as I feel as I've rallied up other people to feel the same way, everybody's moved on to the next topic. And it's like we're constantly, you know, they're playing this shell game with our attention and with all the all the important news events. Yeah, uh, and I'm guilty of that as well. Where mm-hmm. I go, oh, it's that, but I still have my passel. Yeah, passel of things where I go. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna continue my outrage on that. Yeah, I'm gonna continue my outrage on that. Uh, I'm but always... usually, w- when I decide what what to be outraged about, I, I I usually get input from you and my friend in St. Louis, Scott Miller. Uh-huh. You guys tend to post the most about things like that. And I'm like, okay, good. Now I know what to be outraged about. And now... <laughs> I do. What, what I've been finding is a lot of people are sending me things through Facebook Messenger. 
messenger mm -hmm. yeah. because they don't want to take the chance to post uh -huh. it themselves. All right. Somebody might think Carla doesn't like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Carla might think my dad would really be upset if I saw that, but if I throw it to Rosowski, he doesn't have any <laughs> friends, so nobody gives a shit about what he's doing. So, you know, let him fucking take the poison pill. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I, uh, I think that a major part of what it is that's happening is people need to be skeptical or more yeah. skeptical, more skeptical to look at something and say, that doesn't pass the smell test. Mm -hmm. And because we can find out all these things about all these things, let's find out all these things about all these things instead of just going, because the, there's this uh, book called um, Search Inside Yourself. And I mentioned a bunch of times on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And Chan Min Tan, who I, I think that's his name, he does a mindfulness training at Google. Okay. And he's on TED Talks and shit like that. And what he says is that we get, when you're mindful of the emotions that you have, what happens is something happens to you. You react in that moment and you, you, you feel it and then you react in that moment. Mm -hmm. But that's not really what's happening. What's happening is something happens to you, you, uh, you, you go through your system, and then you react. Mm. It's that going through the system that we need to look at, which is that mindful period where you say, that happened. Okay, that happened. Historically, I would get outraged right now. But I'm going to take a moment. I may still get outraged, mm -hmm. but I want to see what my feelings are. And then blurt it out. Or yeah. do whatever you want. React in... in in the way that you're uh, compelled to. Yeah. And that's for me as the center of all improvisation is to be mindful of that which is happening at that moment. Mm -hmm. But it's easy to go to strike out online. Yeah. And never, I love the never read the comments on and don't. <laughs> you don't? Read. No, the YouTube comments. Oh, YouTube comments? Yeah. On whatever it is where you're going to go, Whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. Don't read the comments. So there's a new story, and then they have people comment. Right, right, right. Never right. fucking read this. Never. Oh, ever, yeah, ever, I don't. Ever, yeah. Ever. It's such stupidity. Such stupidity. Such douchebaggery. And, like, so, I want to grab people and go, really? What? No. Yeah. No, 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 no. Come here. Come over here. Slap, 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 slap. Yeah. Let's just talk for a minute. Something isn't right. Yeah. But you, your Missouri is apparently in the news big time. You oh, it is. I, I hadn't checked the news. Yeah, I know. There's something no. <laughs> happening down there. There's something happening down yeah, there. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, uh, you know, because there's, there's, there's no correct response to what's going on other than the outrage. Um, the actions that have been taken out of outrage, I don't think are correct, obviously. Um, the actions in response to the outrage and how that's been, how that's manifested is not correct. So it's so difficult to say, you know, can we at least agree on this? Cause there's, you know, there's very little, you know, middle ground. No, those are, that's a Venn diagram where the circles don't touch. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that's what that Venn diagram is. Yeah. I think that I, I this is going to sound weird, but I love the outrage. I love people being outraged. Oh yeah. Outraged. I'm loving that. I'm loving seeing people actually care about that. And to see it in St. Louis, which is a largely complacent city. Yeah. You know, there's there's not much to, you know, usually sports is the thing that, that riles that town up. Sure. Sure. Um, sure. And, and to see that happening, it's pretty exciting. Obviously, it's very depressing to see, you know, the destruction and the burning and all that. 
you know, also as, as you know, um, disquieting to see all the, the police violence, right. you know. So. That, and, and, and all of that has, it, it seems in a way America isn't on fire, like in the 60s or 70s, early yeah. 70s, but there's, there seems to be, it's pretty hot. I mean, mm -hmm. shit's happening. Here's a theory that a lot of people uh, have put out there, which is that St. Louis never really uh, paid for the sins of racism when all the riots were happening in the 60s and the 70s, you know. There was none of that in St. Louis. And St. Louis has always been... East St. Louis, which is in well, Illinois, right? Well, it's Illinois. It's not technically part of... Well, right. you, know, we, you know, we embrace it and welcome it as part of like the, you know... We're cousins. The River City yeah. and the, that whole, right. you know... But, you know, it's it's definitely its own pocket of problems and its own, you know, I think if there was more support from Illinois and if more people from St. Louis, you know, uh, were concerned about some of the injustices going on there. In East St. Louis. Um, but there, there wasn't like necessarily all kinds of rioting going on in East St. Louis, you know. Oh, how old are you? Um, um, I am... 45. You're 45. Born in 69. So you, you were born, so you don't remember a lot of what went down during that time. Yeah. I'm, I'm 55, and uh, I remember cities burning. I remember Chicago burning. Mm -hmm. I remember L.A. burning. Burning. Mm -hmm. But you're saying St. Louis I never don't, went through I, anything. I don't believe that there was that much of that sort of destruction and rioting going on in, in East St. Louis or St. Louis in, you know, in particular. But that also, like clothing styles and hairstyles and stuff like that, always tended to hit St. Louis like 10 to 20 years later. <laughs> now St. Louis is becoming a little, I think part of, the, part of it's the internet. Um, but so maybe St. Louis is finally catching up, you know, with, with its past because it was one of those compromise states where it was like, yeah, okay, we'll fight for the North, but we still want to be a slave state. Right. You know, Wasn't it starts with stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the Missouri Compromise, right? Yeah. That was, and, that was the and thing. And Dred Scott. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, Look at what we know. Look at all the shit we Look know. at us in our history lesson. Exactly. Look how that smart may, we may are. not be 110%. <laughs> exactly. But close enough. Mm -hmm. Missouri Compromise, Dred Scott. We went through a lot of that. But... Uh, Going back to this, mm -hmm. I think one of the things about, about being an improviser and being an actor and being a writer, in a way, is to say all of that, like you said there's a theory, and that theory is based upon a bunch of things that you put together, mm -hmm. and to say, I think that and that and that and that and that and that, and how exciting that is to, for me, I, it's kind of like you're, you're creating a story and you're alive. Mm -hmm. And... I want to. I don't want to throttle people who aren't curious. Mm -hmm. I just want to throttle people, and it's not getting better. I think yeah. I, it's not getting better, mm -hmm. and it's tough not to be cynical, especially at this past election. Yeah, it's really hard. Do you have people down there who are? Because Missouri is a pretty red state, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've got friends on both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you? How do you? How do you? Because I. It doesn't. How do you, how do you, do you go, I got to get rid of that friend or I got to get rid of that friend? Or do you... I try not to get rid of any friends. Um, I have had friends who unfriended me on, on Facebook. I, I might as well just talk about this story. I'm not going to name any names or anything. But um, a good friend of mine, fraternity brother, um, I reposted something that wasn't even political. Um, it was, um, and I don't believe this friend of mine is racist, but he's been brought up with certain views that, make him 
fall in line. Like the way I feel about a lot of the Ferguson stuff, I'm like, you know, if you're fighting on the same side as the KKK, just take a step back and reconsider your point of view just for a second. But anyhow, um, a friend of mine, um, Phil Ahrensberg, who also yeah, took yeah, classes yeah, yeah. with you, mm-hmm. um, um, had posted something that was just like beautiful, you know, pictures of people from all over the world, non-traditional, maybe people who had like, uh, from another country, had like piercings or uh-huh. plates in their lips Got or, it. you know, and you know, White, black, men, women, all races, all ages. Um, and, of course, it took a thorough going through by one of my friends to look through the 67 photographs and realize that there wasn't a single one that was both white and male. I was like, there's all kinds of males. There's all kinds of white people. But because there wasn't a white male in there, it wasn't true diversity wow. to him. Wow. Um, and so he and my friend, because I guess my, you know, or when when Phil posted on it, the other, he he got into a fight, and so they like it was I was asleep at night. You know, I posted that right before I went to bed. What a wonderful thought! And I, and I said true di- true diversity, and posted it. And I thought, oh, what a nice thought! I'll go to bed. I wake up in the middle of the night, and I see there's been like 27 messages. I'm like, oh no, what happened now? Um, and because of the the two guys involved, I know they're polar opposites. I was like, oh my god! And so. Uh, a friend of mine, um, um, who is also a friend of my nephew, posted, I think these guys suck. So it wasn't Which like guys, those two guys. Yeah, both of them for getting into this argument over a photo essay. Uh-huh. You know? um, and I said, totally you know what? innocent photo essay. It's yeah. not like there's the Israelis. There's no, they're doing there's the no agenda at yeah. all because there were Israelis and Palestinians and everyone, right. red Chinese, Americans. Um, so, you know, go through the whole thing and, and I, I read their argument. I'm like, why are you guys getting into this? You know, not picking on either of them, but it was like a ridiculous argument. And, and he said, I think these guys suck. And I said, I think they do too. Okay. I get two responses. One from Phil apologizing. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get in a, you know, in a fight with one of your friends. I'm sorry if I stepped over the line. I just felt that this way, well, you know, I was like, I'm sorry. The other one was like, I suck. How dare you say I suck. And then I said, you know what? You do suck. And you know what else sucked? My breakfast yesterday. Traffic. It's not like I'm condemning you. You did something, you know, and so did Phil, my other friend, um, that, that, you know, I personally wouldn't have got, it in, got into over this. Right. Um, and, you know, it was Phil's response. You know, I agree with Phil politically on many things. Um, to come and apologize, to be apologetic, to mm. ask if he had done anything wrong, if he needed to apologize. The other one to, to demand an apology. And then when I was frank with him and told him, the other guy apologized, here's what you said, he unfriended me. And and he and this other guy who feel the same way uh, go around bragging about the fact that they unfriended me on Facebook. And, you know, I'm like, okay. The idea of But the, I've never unfriended someone over their politics or their personal beliefs. I, I, I have, I have. <laughs> Uh, um, it, but it always well, I, I did for one person because there was this guy I went to high school with that when the Ferguson thing first blew up, um, he said, um, um, I dare you to come over here and dash, dash, dash. He, he knew well enough to, to put and dash, 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 but not enough not to use that word. And I was like, that's just outright racism. If you know well enough, and, and so I, 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 I do a screenshot of it and I posted it up and said, look what this guy did. This is why I unfriended him. Now the world knows. And I unfriended him. I never want to hear from the guy again. No. I have friends who, uh, there was one guy that I got into an argument with about gun control. And it was just like, oh my God. It, just, it was just so, you know, one of the things, we're, we're such different ends of that, of the mm-hmm. spectrum on that. And I said to him, off, off, 
you know, I, I took it in the backyard. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't go, let's do this. I'm like, I took it in the fucking backyard and I, I, I messenger, messengered it. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I don't want everybody to look at that. And I said, I just don't know why we're friends. And he said, we both love improv. And I went, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and you fucking let it go. But yeah. there's other people that I go, you know, you are crossing the line into racist, bigot, sexist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I don't play those reindeer games and I don't want to see it. Yeah. I also think it's interesting, the idea of the apology, the idea of the apology, how important an apology is Yeah. because it just feels, it feels right. Mm-hmm. And to also say, you know what? I could be wrong. To go into a discussion and to say I could be wrong, and to go into discussion saying I'm I very well might learn something here that's going to change the way that I look at things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Werner Herzog said that he watched he likes to go to movies, and I'm paraphrasing it because for two hours or three hours, his entire concept of the universe is shattered. Mm-hmm. And to walk in and I go, okay, great. That which I thought was happening is not what's happening. Yeah. And then you really realize that all that our life is is just our, our collective uh, assumptions. assumptions and uh, putting things, uh, assumptions and judgments and all that. And that's really what it is. And we're mm-hmm. all just trying to keep our shit together, you know? Yeah. And that's all. But at the same time, there's a lot of how can, what can I, I, I don't want to be angry anymore mm-hmm. how do i do that it's not about changing the world it's about changing me yeah and it's i i remember when i think i was getting divorced i broke had a breakup with somebody and i couldn't listen to the news anymore because mm. it just made me angry and i said i gotta get rid of the news i gotta get rid of those things that are causing drama in my life yeah yeah i've started um it used to be my daily ritual to uh, my favorite news program is um, uh, ABC World News Now. It comes oh yeah, like yeah, 2 yeah, 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 yeah. Late night with those guys who's yeah. like the, the, for for that hour or two they let kids run the show. Yeah, yeah. And so I really enjoy that. And so what I would do is I would record that, and then when I wake up, I'd, I'd watch that with my breakfast instead of the morning shows because it's 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 a little more hard hitting. They say things that they wouldn't say in a morning show. Um, and it's still, for the for the most part, fluff. Right. But at least it's some of the world news. Right. Um, before I start, like, actually going online and reading the news, or picking up a paper or whatever, I'm like, okay, there's that. Um, but um, I, I saw this list of, it was like 25 things that, um, that um, prolific people uh, refuse to do. And, and one of them was watch the news early in the morning and answer emails early in the morning. Because when you watch the news, all of a sudden... You're you're making your day all about everyone else's day instead uh-huh. of what's going on in your life and what, what you need to do and what your goals are. Yeah, get informed about everything, but after you've got your stuff accomplished and taken care of your life and your world. And then um, not answering the emails because when you answer an email, you're, you're, you're putting into reactive mode rather than active mode. Uh-huh. You know, If you well, decide, I'm going to do these 10 things and then I'll start responding to emails instead of, hey, I really need that. Don't forget I need that bio. And then you're like, oh, or, or whatever somebody needs from you and you rush to do all that and you don't have time for your own stuff. What is your own stuff? When do you say your own stuff? My own stuff. Um, uh, whether it's, you know, reading that I need to get done. Right. 
um, writing an email rather than responding to an email. Like, right. hey, I need to write to Dave to let him know, hey, don't, uh, I, I, I didn't forget. I'll be there at 11 a.m. Right. I'm not a flake, you know. Right. Or um, a thank you to somebody or, you know, whatever needs Got to get it. done. Or I need to do my Lumosity training for the day. I uh -huh, have to right. do Lumosity <laughs> brain training. Great. So get all that stuff done, stuff for me. Right. And then start, you know, then then post on, on Facebook about Ferguson. Got then, it. Then, you know. I think I, you that. saying that makes me think. I think I'm doing what it is that you're saying one mm -hmm. one could do. I, I believe that that's what I'm doing. Uh, what I get excited about is I get excited about what because I create my own business. Mm -hmm. Essentially, I get excited about what could I, what marketing could I do right now? Yeah, getting up in the morning, going okay, made a cup of coffee, sat at my computer. What marketing could I do now to push myself? Yeah. And I get really, really excited about that. And I, I, I keep track. I have a to-do list. And I was never like that. I was never that person. Mm -hmm. But then I started to find myself being frayed. Not afraid, but frayed. Right. And the fraying made me, pulled my brain to a bunch of different places and made me question everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you were doing Improv Trick, did you have, was it just... You... And I still am. It's just out here now. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So and when... even the same traditions, I had a, I had a, an annual holiday party in St. Louis that I would do where people would bring canned goods, and it was all just a jam. It wasn't like an official show, but it became where are this you? wonderful. Where's that? Uh, this year we're doing it at, uh, at at the White Fire Theater, and hopefully we'll continue to for as long. as What's we the can. White Fire Theater? Uh, it's on Ventura, Ventura uh -huh. and Sunny Slope in Sherman Oaks. Got it. Um, are you over there? Do you live around there? No, I'm in Pasadena. I wound up at the White Fire wow. because I did a production. Um, last year, um, and it was uh, produced by um, Jake O'Flaherty and Brian Rasmus, and they do this series of things called uh, Winter Shorts, Fall Shorts, and Hollywood Shorts, uh -huh. uh, and it's just a series of one act plays. So you can put, you can get these great performers who can get together. You know, um, I, I encourage you and anybody else who wants to, you know, do like just fun theater to go there because you don't have to be there for like a whole giant rehearsal process. It's just you and two or three other people as your as your time. Um, you know, can be configured, and then you get to you do a fun show and work with great people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started doing that, and then I started, and then I got pulled into another show called Without a Net, um, which I think you would really enjoy because it's a uh, it's a a show about an improv class. I love it. So Jeff Duchette, who's also Second City. Oh yeah, alum, yeah, I know that name. Uh, yeah, he, he he wrote it with Hope Juber. Uh -huh. um, what a and, great name, Hope Juber. Yeah, that's not like somebody from Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only not. She grew up here. She's. Uh... But Hope Jubers, like, you know the Jubers. <laughs> they lived on Candlelight. Uh, the Jubers. They lived in U City. Yeah. Uh, that's an inside joke for St. Louisans. Uh, anyhow, uh, uh, so they, they, they wrote this great plan, and it was fun because the audience is part of the improv class, too. Awesome. So, uh, and there's all these internal conflicts with the students and everything. So it's written. It's a written show, so it's sort of like... It's mostly written, uh -huh. but then all, all, the, all the things that are part of a class experiment that are improvised are actually improvised with, right. with a loose structure around it. So it's sort of like um, what uh, Mary Pat Donovan was doing with Late Night Catechism. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, my God. You have an idea and then you do it. That yeah. fucking always blows me away where somebody has a project and they do their project. Yeah. And not to live in lack to say, where is my part of that? But to say, I have this idea and I'm yeah. going to do that. 
so the white fire is a sort of place that really fosters that sort of stuff. So um, I was talking with Brian and I said, you know, he said, would you think, you know, you need a place to do classes? What about here? And I was like, yes, right. let's do that. And yes. it's gone perfectly so far. Yes. There was something you were saying about that uh, that inspired me, but I can't remember what it is. It's all good. Um, uh, to be able to still, ah, there was something It was like when you were doing that. Okay. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. I think um, putting, for me, you talk about luminosity. That's the name of it, right? Lumosity. Lumosity. Yeah. Lumosity. Right. Lumosity. And you can give that as a gift for like only like $129. You can give it to yourself and four other people. And for you, you find that it 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 aids you in... It helps my memory for sure. Because right. I, I have always felt that I have a spotty memory. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the reasons I went into improv is because I didn't like memorizing scripts. I'm with you, man. I'm, uh, right now, I got this thing that I'm doing. I'm going. I went. I, I went to bed last night. And I woke up this morning going. Memorize. Yeah. Lumosity pushes you to memorize things, and it, uh, it also helps you with math. I feel there were big gaps in my math education. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know all my tables and things like that. Got so it. I get to put those in use, um, and my sense of direction. Because they have a game there called Penguin Pursuit, uh-huh. uh, which is, you know, it, it changes the north-south um, orientation of the map, and it spins around. You have to still know whether you're going left, right. And I've always been bad with maps and bad with knowing my north, south, east, and west, but I'm getting better now intuitively because of Lumosity. I, for me, I feel like I, what, staving, what, what staves off the feeling of bad memory or something like that is watching an improv scene. And being present to everything that's going on and then giving notes afterwards. Yes. That has, that's kept my mind sharp. And, and especially when I'm looking at something and I'm not just taking um, inventory of what was said. I'm also taking inventory of how that made me feel. So the moment that something happened that changes the way that I'm breathing or changes the way that I'm breathing, that changes the way that I'm breathing, I'm going, okay, take a note of that, hold on to that. And I've got little mnemonics that I do where I'll, mm-hmm. I'll point over my left shoulder while I'm doing that. And that means they're talking about somebody who's not here. I'll point over my right shoulder and that I'll, I'll go forward and saying, I'll just, I'll do left shoulder pointing behind me, uh, pointing in front of me, that, that and then I'll have muscle memory saying, okay, there was a point where I did that. Oh, they're talking. Oh, you talked about someone who wasn't there or pointing forward. Like you talk, took the scene into the future. So these little things that we tend to do mm-hmm. that I get from improv teaching Mm -hmm. and being present with that fucking rocks yeah it really rocks i'm so glad that i learned i'm so glad i fell in love with teaching yeah me too it's changed my life absolutely and it makes me a better actor and human Mm -hmm. you know most of all better human because um, I think the biggest thing it teaches you is patience. And that's something you, you, you can't really learn. You have to learn through being patient. I think that patience is something that we should teach more of in improv. Yeah. To say, let's be patient right now. Let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Because for you to get ahead of yourself doesn't help where it is that you are. Yeah. It takes you into a place that does not exist. The future mm-hmm. does not exist. So let's be patient. And I've said this before. The realization that came to me this year, a couple of great realizations came to me through teaching. And one was... The product of improv is the process of improv. Yeah. So people are watching you be in process. That's what, that's the product. They're yeah. coming to watch that. So why not be in process? Because that's what people are watching. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting. 
How often do you teach? Um, usually every week uh, in the new year, I'm going to be teaching twice a week, um, a class on Saturdays and a class on Sundays, mm -hmm. 11 to 1. Mm -hmm. So I'll Wonder start Trump my weekends off. Just a two-hour class? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I've found that I can get more done in two hours. Um, Without a I, break? Then, well, I actually do take a break, too. Oh, you do? Yeah. I take a five-minute break just in case, you know, just to, like, break everybody out, just got so it. that there's no excuse during the class to check their phones. Got it. There's no excuse to go out and feed a meter. It's like, you had the five minutes to feed your meter. You had the five minutes to answer your phone. Right. If something happens during class, either step out. Right. Or wait. Right. Wait until, you know, 15 more minutes. You'll have five minutes to check and respond to anything and then come back in. Right. So there's none of those distractions. Um, people leave the class wanting more and wanting to come back Got instead it. of ditching out the following week. Got it. Um, I think people hit a threshold sometime in that three-hour three, three hour mark uh -huh. sometimes. Um, I don't really do many intensives because I think there's, you know... There's, I can see a reason to do a three-hour workshop, but I can't see a reason to do a five-hour workshop. No, although I, I am doing one in um, uh, in Kansas. Well, if you're coming in from I'm from not coming out in. Town. No, wait, I'm oh. not. Oh. I'm doing it through uh, uh, through the internet. Well, you, even then, they they don't have an opportunity to drop in with you every week. No, so. right. Right. So why not right. take advantage of a five-hour right. system? Uh, but know, there's a break. I'm taking an hour break. In a six-hour, it's a six-hour oh, nice. class. I'm taking an hour break that's in between nice. that. Uh, but again, we live in the great time where we'll be able to do that. Yeah. Um, awesome. Let's stop there. All right. Oh, that was really good. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrosowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at drosowski.